2: Here's it Jeff Green, guarded by West, here Barnett. They're looking for Pierce. They have that door to Green.
1: They use it as a screen. Paul Pierce was there, and he screened it, and that's how you were able to get. The open turn on the
2: inside. Knocked away by Wilcox. Here comes Boston on the run. Here's Crawford on the drive. Scores it. Again, that Boston quickness running the floor. Terry with the mid. But there's Bradley. making jumpers, jump. playing defense and now offensive rebounding. Avery
3: Bradley is a defender, but you're not expecting him to score
1: 22 points, I'm sure. No, not at all.
3: But, you know,
2: that's what he's been doing for
3: this
1: team. He's spotting up, making the open shots. He's running their team. He's playing great. It's the Celtics Beat with Ty Ray.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Celtics Beat. Ty Ray with you, along with my co-host on this Sunday afternoon, or or should I say Sunday evening, if you're on the East Coast. My co-host tonight is Rich Conte. We're going to talk things Boston Celtics tonight, all things Boston Celtics in the Celtics universe. We also have... A great interview planned for you. Uh, At the bottom of the hour, we've got Mark Bedanza who wrote a biography on Celtics legend Jojo White. And let me tell you something, Jojo White, one of the greatest Celtic players you really don't hear about anymore. And Jojo, one of my all-time favorites. And Rich and I will talk about this At at a moment, but Rich and I, big fans of JoJo White and what he did in the 1976 finals. Incredible effort uh, as part of the amazing game that was Game 5 of those NBA finals. Just an incredible series against the Phoenix Suns back in 1976. Of course, we're going to talk about the Celtics' loss today at OKC. The Celtics pushing a rock up a hill all game long, just couldn't get over the hump, and finally that rock. Uh, Fell back on them in the fourth quarter, losing at OKC today, 91-79. We'll also be talking about the Celtics' success of late. They played very well on the road before today, winners of 4 of 5. And then we'll end the show with some talk about LeBron James, the Heat winning streak at 17 as they take on the Pacers tonight. And it will be a stiff test for the Heat as they've lost two times uh, this year to the Indiana Pacers. We'll talk about Kobe Bryant and what he's doing to keep the Lakers in the playoff chase, and also the Knicks suffer a huge loss. Amari Stoudemire goes down with a knee injury, out six to eight weeks. They're just hanging on to the Atlantic Division lead. Can they hang on some more uh, and take it to the wire, or do the Celtics have a chance to sneak away with the Atlantic Division once again this season? Now let's get to my co-host, Rich Conte. Rich, thanks for joining me today on the Celtics' Speed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Ty. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about today's game against OKC. I think it says a lot about the team. I'm kind of a half glass full kind of guy. The team shoots well under 40%. Garnett can't throw it in the ocean today. Jeff Green clearly, uh, as I said on Twitter, was pressing all day long, I think, because it was his first game back at OKC since the trade that sent him to the Celtics for Kendrick Perkins. He was 2-11 from the field. The Celtics turned the ball over, what, nine times in the first quarter. Yet, I always felt that they had a chance to win the game today if they could just make one run and unfortunately, that one run did not happen. Rich, what are your impressions? Yeah, you hit the nail
0: on the head, Ty. I mean, I love the uh, Sisyphus uh, metaphor right there in the open. And the thing I like the best is, you know, they, I, I never really, I never felt that they gave in at all. I, I felt like they kept clawing, scratching. You know, there was that um, you know, moment when they went down by, uh, I believe it was 14 or so, with about three minutes left. They could have just uh, thrown in the towel. And uh, uh, Terry, who was... Pretty quiet all game long. Uh, finally came up with a couple of threes there to to bring it back down, and they they just kept fighting. But uh, really wasn't in the cards today, I don't think. Uh, you know, this was for all intent and purposes a back to back. You know, they uh, they played the uh, the overtime game Friday night. Go on the road to OKC for an early start on a Sunday. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough one. Uh, OKC has got to be a co favorite there along with the Heat um, and You know, I I, kind of ended the, uh, the game feeling like the Celtics can play with those guys.
2: I felt the same way. I never for once thought the Celtics were out of the game today. I thought Bradley did an exceptional job on uh, Mr. Westbrook, who didn't have a particularly strong game today. And if it weren't for the officials, and I don't want to get into that, I'm not one to just pound on the officials, but when you look up on the scoreboard and the Heat have a seven or eight point lead and it's because of free throws, uh, that tends to bother me. I think that's, that's only natural if you're a Celtics fan. But I thought all in all, watching the game today, like I said, if the Celtics could have just made one run at some point in time during that contest, they could have won the game, and that run just never seemed to happen. And I thought Doc tried a lot of things, even tried small ball at the the end there. That lineup I thought was kind of interesting when you had what Crawford, Bradley, and Lee on the floor. What'd you think of that lineup?
0: Well, I mean, I, you know, I think he was trying to you know go for the home run balls, uh, get a you know, get a maybe quick run, a couple of balls to drop from from deep and, and get them back into the game quickly. You know, I think that's a good look for them in short stretches. I think. Uh, For any extended period of time, they're already so small to begin with uh, that they're always kind of clawing, scratching to stay in the game on the boards. Um, They they actually did great on the boards today. They They rebounded OKC. They defended. I thought the difference was really the the turnovers and the bench, frankly. Um, The bench has been playing great for them. It's been one of their strengths, and they just all in all had a horrendous game today. I think they were a cumulative minus 30. In the game whereas the uh, OKC bench was a cumulative plus 26 and wow that's 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 a big hole for the starters to dig their way out of um, I thought you, you you said it exactly right um, Avery Bradley played Westbrook to a standstill I think uh, Bradley let me see his turn assist to turnover ratio was five to one and Westbrook's was two to three and I'll I'll, I'll take that any uh, game of the week and Durant, they held him to 23 points on six of 16 shooting. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I thought they defended. I thought they competed on the boards. Uh, just couldn't buy a shot in that fourth quarter. I think the uh, you know the, the trip caught up to them. The, the tired legs,
2: especially Garnett. I and mean, after a hot start, he had he had a lot of trouble finding the basket. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen KG struggle in a game like this. I, I wish we had. CLNS's stats, at him today, because I don't ever recall a game where Garnett went five of 19 from the field, and at one point, I believe he missed 10 shots in a row, and there were some shots right at the rim that he even missed, and he really, really struggled. He did have 11 boards uh, on the game, but clearly not, uh, not a strong effort for him today, and then you couple that with Jeff Green, who has been basically, I think, the X factor for the Celtics coming in, leading that bench to the strong performances they've had in, in recent weeks. And Jeff Green only goes two for 11. And I really thought in watching him today, Rich, he looked like he was pressing. Just, you could see it on his face. You could see it in his body language. There was just something not quite there today. I think he tried to get it going early, and then when the shots weren't dropping, it just I think it bothered him. At least it appeared, appeared so on national TV. No doubt. Um, he was definitely tight. I, you know,
0: I think for the most part, the entire bench played that way. Uh, you know, coming into this game, they've been playing so well. You look coming to OKC, it's kind of a, a benchmark game. And I think the, you know, the bench kind of tightened up in the moment. And, you know, I think I, hopefully it'll be a good experience for them. Hopefully kind of getting through that and, and you know, getting into the playoffs and, and, you know, being faced with games like that night in, night night out. They'll work through it. But, yeah, that that was really the game there, they, the, the performance of the bench and the, and the turnovers. Um.
2: We don't mention his name much because he hasn't had the season I think most Celtic fans had hoped he would have following up his first season in Boston, but Brandon Bass deserves a little credit today. Came up big, six points only, granted, but he only shot four times, hit three of his shots. Thirteen boards for Brandon Bass, which is a season high. and and he did his darndest to keep the Celtics in the game, and he's taken a lot of criticism uh, from people today. He also had, I think, his highlight of the year when he grabbed a rebound and then stuffed it back in. Rich, your impressions of Bass today? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's been struggling for most of the year, and so it was
0: nice to see him come up big, particularly, you know, in the rebounding total. I think he had 13. He also had a couple of blocks, and you're right, that dunk was loud, and that's the type of force he needs to play with inside and and i you know he he shows flashes of it he just can't seem to do it consistently if he can just play that way on the board and give them a good 25 to 30 minutes a night you you be a force inside on the on the on the glass and and hit that open J when when the ball swings to him and he can be a key player uh, just as he was last year in the playoffs for them i thought he had a great series against the heat last year
2: you know, he did. In fact, I think at the end of that series, he was even guarding LeBron James at times. So Brandon is a, a player, I think, of still enormous potential. He, he really is. I hope that in the offseason that somebody grabs him or he's encouraged to work on some some moves. Because this year, I don't know what it is it seems like he has trouble dribbling the ball, it seems like he has trouble catching the ball, and maybe of all the players on the team right now that miss Rajon Rondo, it might be Brandon Bass, because Rondo would get him the ball in space and allow him to hit that sweet shot of his, that elbow jumper that he is so successful at hitting, so I hope that this game in particular might be a start of maybe a new Brandon Bass and we can turn the chapter, but I think we've said that before, and I, I've also said this to Celtic fans too. Brandon Bass just might be who he is, and nothing more, nothing less. And, and uh, that just might be the that just might be the case. But like you, Rich, I did not come away today thinking that the Celtics did not belong on the floor with the Thunder. They looked like they belonged there, and they were one one run away from from taking a lead in the game. But it just never happened.
0: Yeah, if you look at the you know, start of the second and the start of the fourth, I think the Thunder started the uh, second quarter with a 14 to four run and they started the fourth quarter with I believe an 11 to two run and you know that's that's a 19 point swing right there and and that's the game and there was another sequence about four minutes left where the the Celtics were down 10 they come down Courtney Lee uh takes a three goes in and out the other end uh Westbrook scores on, you know, blows by, uh, finally gets by, uh, gets some space off of Bradley, turns the corner on him, gets a layup, come up the other end, Pierce just a layup rolls in and out, and Westbrook scores again, I believe is on a backdoor, and a beautiful backdoor feed from Durant to, to Westbrook that Bradley got called for goaltending on, and, you know, instead of maybe a five-point game, it's a 14-point game.
2: And, yeah, and, and that, that was it right there. That was huge, and that was not a goaltending on Bradley. We don't need to get into that. Like I said, we don't need to talk about the officials, but that was not a, not a goaltending on Bradley, and it really hurt the Celtics, too. I, I think most people, if you're watching the game and you're looking at the final score, here, it was 91-75. We're talking a three-point game going into the fourth quarter, and the Celtics had the ball at times to cut it to one and just could not hit a shot. They went two of 18 to start the fourth quarter, and on the road, at arguably the toughest place to play in the NBA, you're not going to win many games doing that. So the fact that the Celtics only managed to lose by 12 points tonight on the road at OKC and play as poorly at times as they did offensively, I'm with you, Rich. I thought that the team played pretty soundly defensively, especially if you look at the numbers. But the fact that they only shot what, 38%, 39%, and still only lost by 12. And I think that score is not indicative of how close this game was.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the NBA, a a four-point game can become a 12-point game in a hurry. So, you know, I don't look at, while while it's a 12-point final margin, which is fairly significant, you know, that really belies how tight of a game it really was. And, you know, to be honest, that's the type of game you see in the playoffs. Very rarely does either team kind of mentally give in in the playoffs. And you know these games, you know, can go down to the wire. can be you know winnable going into the last three or four minutes, and really that's that's all you can hope for, and and just hope you know you get you get some shots to drop at the make or miss league, like Doc always says. And you know, it, it, in a in a lot of ways, this game kind of reminded me of uh, Game Seven against the Heat last year.
2: Interesting comparison, but I, I I can see that where just the Celtics can't get shots to drop in the fourth quarter, they run out of gas, and the team that's more athletic pulls away and also the 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 thunder have some uh, players on their bench that can do a nice job as well i really like kevin martin even though he has one of the most un orthodox shots you'll ever see, and I thought he played really, really well uh, in the contest in this game uh, with 12 points, and I think many of them came in the, in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to look back, but he came up big, and you know, Nick Collison is a pain in the butt, that's for sure, for a big guy. He's not a guy that is sexy to watch as a player, but look at his numbers tonight, 8 and 5 in 25 minutes, uh, and he was able to spell Serge Ibaka, who got into foul trouble, only playing 26 minutes. Yeah, they, I mean, their their bench
0: doesn't get a lot of ink, but those are some solid players. I mean, Collison Brewer's a solid defender. Uh, Reggie Jackson had a great game. He had those uh, six straight points there to start off the fourth that really kind of helped the OKC get some separation there. And, of course, uh, you know, the old veteran uh, Derek Fisher uh, signed back on him. He had some big shots. Uh, and, you know, like you said, Martin. I mean, Martin's probably one of the best off-the-bench scorers in this league. So, you know, that OKC bench can, can, can make some significant contributions, but you don't
2: really, they don't get a lot of ink. So the Celtics lose today 91-79 at OKC, snapped their five-game winning streak, and they fall to six games over 500 at 34-28 on the year, but all not lost. It was a pretty successful week for the Celtics. Like I said, they had won five games in a row prior to today's loss at OKC, and when Rich and I come back, we'll talk more about their Huge victory at Indiana, the overtime win in Atlanta, and also that nice game by Avery Bradley at Philadelphia. Stay with us on the Celtics Beat.
1: Hey, Mike Fay from Mike T here just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of Celticstown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, king of the court, every Monday night.
2: If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy Heintzen proud because I know he loves that style of play.
1: Careless Whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You
2: can't compare that to an NBA
1: rivalry where you're going to hate LeBron James for the next seven years, and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the block party with CLNS locker room reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not going to yeah. compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable how much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celticsblog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you The Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticBlog.com.
3: This is A.B. Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio.
1: What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics Blog, CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw postgame videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347 215 7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at CLNSRadio.com. CLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. One, two, three. It's the Celtics Beat with Ty Redd.
2: And I'm joined today on the Celtics Beat, Celtics Beat with uh, Rich Conti. And Rich, you and I were talking during the break how we really felt that this was the week Boston flipped the switch, turned the corner, and we went from pretending that they were going to be in the thick of things to actually thinking and knowing that they're going to be in the thick of things because they're playing such good basketball. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, when, when Rondo went down and they they ran off some wins uh, despite his absence, I think people were elated and they, they were excited to see the way the team was playing. But I think kind of in the back of your head, you know, you expected them to come back to earth at some point. And certainly uh, I don't think people's uh, expectations for the play- really changed drastically uh but this week like you said i think they turned a corner i you know i felt like after the atlanta game the other night that wow maybe this team's ceiling is a bit higher than than we thought it was uh they're not i guess conventionally constructed right now no no true point guard there they've got a couple of combo guards uh you know manning the backcourt uh you know they're Still pretty small with Garnett at at center and and Bass and Green getting the lion's share of minutes at the four, but hey, man, the defense they play is championship caliber. Uh, They seem to be able to uh, put some points up on the board when they play a little bit more up-tempo, especially against teams that maybe aren't uber-athletic as the Thunder were today, so... I don't know. I, I, I've got a little bit more hope than I did maybe two weeks ago that if the breaks fall for them right, if they, if they continue to play the way they have on defense, if Green continues to contribute the way he, he has, and if, you know, maybe Bass comes around and, and gives them some of the same things they did in the playoffs last year, that, you know, they've got maybe a puncher's chance against even a team like the Heat.
3: I
2: have said this since the beginning of the year when the team was struggling. Doc Rivers Danny Ainge and the team has earned everybody's benefit of the doubt. How many times do they have to prove people wrong before Celtic fans get it in their head that this team can make a run at any time? It gets frustrating, I know, for Celtic fans because they're like, why don't they bring it every night? But they've done it year in and year out. Look at the year, Rich. They went, what, 27-27 and 27 in their final 54 games Then play some of their best basketball in the KG era era in those playoffs, beating, what, the Heat in five games uh, that year. Uh, That was the series where Pierce hit the, the game winner in game three at the buzzer against the Heat. Then they demolish LeBron and the Cavs three straight. Rondo goes off in that series. Then they take down Dwight Howard. And if Perk doesn't go down, Banner 18 probably hanging in TD Garden right now. So, Nobody thought they could do it that year. The team was playing terribly, and they flipped the switch. This year, I still have some question marks, like you said, very unconventional, especially with no point guard, but you and I are old school enough, Rich, to know there was a time when you did not need a point guard to be successful in the NBA. Oh,
0: that's absolutely right. You know, really, I don't remember hearing the term used the way it's used today until maybe the mid-'80s or so. I think, you know, Isaiah was one of the first guys. You know, obviously Magic was one of the greatest point guards of all time, but he played all over the court. You know, in terms of guards, it was – I think Isaiah was really that first kind of small guy who orchestrated the offense and was a scoring threat that really kind of earned that 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 uh, label, but yeah, you had guys like JoJo White, you know, the subject of our, uh, our guest book a little bit later on, um, and and other guys who were just guards, <laughs> and that's how I feel about Bradley and Lee. They're they're just guards. They can handle the ball. Bradley, in particular, has shown tremendous uh, increase in his confidence handling the ball, distributing the ball. You know, last year, even as great as he played defensively, uh, he, you know, the ball looked like a hot potato in his hands, and and now I think you know he's confident running the offense, and and you know stepping right into jumpers in addition to playing that great defense. So, yeah, you know, it's uh, I you know, maybe they they're proving you don't need uh, that that
2: that Rajan Rondo pure point
0: guard uh, to 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 be a factor.
2: Yeah, and speaking of Avery Bradley, think about the game he had at Philadelphia the other night, really coming into his own, 22 points, becoming an offensive threat and a key part of that that Celtics victory at Wells Fargo Arena uh, against the Sixers. And I know the Sixers are having a down year, Rich, but anytime you get a victory against the Sixers, you'll take it because they always give the Celtics problems.
0: That's right. They, you know, they seem to be uh, built in a way to give the Celtics a little trouble. I think guys like Holiday who can get into the paint and break the defense down, always, you know, challenges uh, you know, the type of defense that Celtics play that, you know, really relies on overloading the strong side and Bradley came, came up great, man. 10 for 15 from the field, couple of three-pointers, uh, seven rebounds, five assists. Just great game all around. And I, you know, I could just See that confidence. And to me, he he kind of uh, this week paralleled kind of what I saw in the team. In that, you know, obviously Celtics fans really appreciate his play over the last year plus, uh, really missed him in the playoffs last year. But I think we, we still kind of view him as wow, he has great defensive impact on the game, but, you know, he's limited offensively. I don't know. After this week, I'm beginning to wonder if he's got a a higher ceiling than we think he does. I I
2: think he does. I, I really think he's also got an explosiveness that maybe he's holding back on because he might be tentative because of the shoulder injuries, and he plays so damn hard, Rich. I worry about him getting hurt every time he drives to the basket or or dives for a ball or or, or plays tenacious D on, on on an opposing point guard. I'm always worried that something might happen because it has in the past. And he's always had these lingering injuries, and he and he did earlier in the season too. He can score. We forget, Rich, before he got hurt last year near the end of the season. I remember a game against the Hawks when basically the Celtics rested all their starters. Uh, I think it was like Bradley and Sasha Pavlovich, and I don't know if Petra started, but it was a crazy lineup Doc played on the road against the Hawks, and Bradley went off went yeah. off that game. I think he had like 29 points. So we know uh, he has it in him at, at, from time to time, and he's not 100% yet. So imagine when he's at full health, what he's capable of doing, and this extended playing time, At the point, it's got to benefit him in the long run, I would think. Just having all this time running the show, it's just going to benefit him for the postseason.
0: Absolutely, you know, and, and I'm beginning to wonder, you know I, you don't really hear him talked about uh, in terms of basketball IQ, but I, you know over this past week, I've seen him make some plays. I think Friday night in particular, he he tipped an offensive rebound to himself and, and, and passed it back out. Little plays like that that he's making that you know really make you wonder if, wow, this, this guy is, like you said, really just kind of just starting to scratch the surface and, and, and show what type of
2: player he can be. So the Celtics won in Philadelphia. They go back-to-back and have to play at Indiana, one of the toughest places to play. The Pacers, one of the best home teams in the NBA. Boston gave it their all at Wells Fargo on Tuesday night, going to Indiana, pretty much trailed the whole game. They had a brief lead in the first quarter. They're down nine points with four and a half minutes to go. Paul George, I believe, hit a three. Pacers got the lead. Game over, right? Celtics clamp down, play amazing defense for the final four and a half minutes go on an 11-0 run, capped by a KG. By the way, that was a bad pass by KG to end the game. But (laughs) but nonetheless, he passes to Jeff Green, who has to come down with it instead of a catch and release at the hoop. And then Green banks it in, makes his biggest shot ever as a Boston Celtic. Celtics come out of that with an 83-81 win on the road. Win a back-to-back on the road. I think maybe the biggest win of the year, Rich.
0: It could be, you know, coming out of that game, I felt, wow, you know, this, this team, you know, if they can play that type of game, they can beat anybody. Um, and then to see them follow it up the next night just kind of showed that, wow, well, maybe they're starting to hit that consistency. But I agree, you know, that comeback, that was an 11-0 run to, to close out the game, and the defense they, they played that really fueled that run, that's the type of play on the defensive end especially that, you know, has really been their hallmark when they'd had success in the playoffs in 2008, in two thousand and ten and then, you know, two thousand and twelve what what got them into the you know, down to the wire for the seven games against Miami.
2: And so happy at the end of a game. The Celtics have so many people, people with skills, capable of making big plays, be it shooting, passing, that they don't go to the Pierce Isolation. I love Paul, but come on, give it a rest. And we saw the Pierce Isolation raise its ugly head. In the Atlanta game on Friday night when the Celtics squandered a 12-point lead in the final six minutes, Celtics led the Hawks, had the game in complete control, the well went dry. Rich, I thought the team got tired legs in those final six minutes and Atlanta was able to come back on the shooting of Josh Smith and the speed of Jeff Teak.
0: Yeah, I think that the Hawks scored, if I'm not mistaken, 20 points in the, the second half of the uh, fourth quarter there, and that's just so uncharacteristics for the Celtics. Look like tired legs. Look like a lot of mental breakdowns too. You know, I thought they maybe were as tired mentally as they were physically. I think uh, Green in particular just. You know, had a couple of plays on the defensive end where he just left, you know, Smith all alone underneath. And I was shocked to see them turn it around in the overtime and, and pull that game out. Completely agree with you about the pure size I think Doc tends to go to that when he's trying to steal a win and, and, and maybe feels like if they can kind of just get out of dodge uh, easily. But I like it so much better when they stay away from the hero ball. They they look to move the ball. And, and you know, a guy like Garnett is perfect in that type of offense.
2: And I don't mean to net. To On Paul, because he was sensational that game. He had 27 points to go with, I believe, seven boards and seven assists. And he had some key shots in the fourth quarter to keep the Celtics ahead late, but the Hawks would answer every time. And then the Hawks go up by four. In the overtime, and Rich, I, I thought that game was done. I thought the Celtics were dead on arrival, and then Jeff Green hits the miracle of three-point shots. I have never quite seen a shot like a three-ball that bounces high up in the air and just rattled around and in. And maybe the lep maybe maybe the leprechaun is on the Celtics side this year.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's actually what Mike Tarico said when the ball went in. Was that the uh, leprechaun was perched on top of the backboard and, and tipped it in? I, you know, when when the ball hit iron, I, I was pretty deflated. I thought, well, that that shot might be the game there, and and just kind of that split second, you know, complete reversal of fortune was was great to see it drop through the net. And you know, from that point on, I you know I thought they played great to close it out. Terry, who you know, had a,
2: a difficult game. Most of that game
0: really came through there in the last minute, minute and a half with, you know, big basket and then a couple of free throws.
2: Yeah, he did. And he he was very clutch that game. That three ball was huge. And I actually think Jason Terry's played very well, even though some people say every time they, the Celtics get on national TV, I get really sick of people talking about what a A bad year Terry's had. I think he's done a lot of good things in a lot of good ways. So the Celtics see their five-game winning streak end today at OKC 91-75, but that doesn't mean they're not playing great basketball winners of, what, six of eight games, Rich, I think going back to the West Coast road trip. They've won six of eight and and currently tied for sixth place in the uh, Eastern Conference standings, tied with Atlanta, but the Celtics own the tiebreaker. When we come back, we're going to have an interview with Mark Bedanza, author of a great biography on Celtics legend, Joe Joe White. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us on Celtics Beat. Hey, sports fans. Tim Dunnaghy here from the Sports Connection. I know the NBA better
3: than anybody. That's why you need to call 1-800-308-9003 for today's free pick. Thanks a lot, Timmy B. It's been a great year. Thanks
0: to you. Guys, this is Danny B. Make sure you pick up that phone like Tim says. Give us a call for today's free pick at 1-800-308-9003 or visit us at DannyBeersAndBoy.info.
2: This is your boy,
1: Delonte West, and you're listening to CLNS Radio. This is Mike Fay from Mike T. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We are now a credentialed member of the media. That means you can make CLNSRadio.com your one-stop shop for all Boston Celtics-related news. Oh, and don't forget our outstanding live streaming broadcasts. Get your week started Monday night with the flagship program of the network, the Celtics Late Night Show with B. Paul and Nick Gelso. So you know nothing Um, about him. You don't know what he can provide quality minutes. But you like his name. Check back in Tuesday night for the breakdown with Dave and Audley.
2: He has that veteran experience, and that's going to be more valuable than what he puts on the scoreboard, as far as I'm concerned. Former
1: NBA referee Tim Donaghy takes you inside Vegas Numbers on Wednesday night with the right call. They were (laughs) telling him he was crazy, and you know how those two nuts are, you know. (laughs) They created Tiger Woods for right shape. And Tyler Tomlinson and I close out your weekend Sunday night with Mike T. If I'm a big money celebrity athlete, movie star, prenup dude. Yeah, right? (laughs) Oh, my God, are you kidding me? And here's the best part. You can call into our shows toll-free and voice your opinion anytime at 855-CLNS-NOW. Check us out today, clnsradio.com. Welcome back to the Celtics
2: Celticspeak, and here's your host, Ty Red. Hi, everybody. Ty back. Rich Conte just reviewed the week that was the Boston Celtics. The win streak comes to an end today in OKC 9179. Celtics in the game pretty much the whole way but when you shoot 2 of 18 to start the fourth quarter in Oklahoma City you're not going to win many games and that was the case today so the Celtics fall to 34 and 28 on the season 6 games over 500 but still playing good basketball now we're joined by a very special guest author Mark Bedanza who did a biography on Celtics legend Jojo White, one of my favorite all-time Celtics players. The name of the book, Make It Count the Life and Times of Basketball, great Jojo White. Mark Medanza, welcome to Celtics Beat. Thanks for joining us today. A pleasure to be with uh,
3: both of you, uh, Ty and Rich. So how, yes, did it come about,
2: how did it come about, the the book, and and your association with Jojo White?
3: Well, I got to know Jojo um, about uh, two and a half years ago, three years ago. And I remember one of the early uh, times we met, um, I was uh, sitting there uh, across from him, and I I, um, was thinking back to uh, a famous basketball game, sometimes referred to as the greatest game ever played, uh, back in 1976. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Game game, uh, five of the uh, NBA Finals that year, and uh, pitting the uh, Celtics and the Phoenix Suns. And, of course, that's the triple over time game when uh, JoJo played 63, 63 minutes in that basketball game. And I was thinking back to that game. It was probably the most, uh, certainly the most dramatic basketball game I had ever witnessed to that point in my life. And it was really a, a basketball game that brought the uh, whole Celtics heritage and pride uh, to me. And uh, I was 20 years old at the time and when that game occurred between my sophomore and junior years in, in uh college and I, I would have never dreamed back then that someday I would uh, have the opportunity to talk to uh the architect of that of that Celtics victory, if you will. And uh I, I had I had to mention it to Jojo that I was sort of reminiscing about it and he took off that nineteen seventy six championship ring and, and handed it to me and like I said, feel all the weight of the uh symbolism of the ring as well as the gold itself and it was it was a moment i guess and uh something i'll never forget and it wasn't too long after that that i suggested to him the idea of writing this biography Hey, Mark. This is
0: Rich. I'm just wondering, to me, it's a travesty that JoJo uh, has never been elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I wonder if, um, you know, baseball fans are familiar with, uh, you know, the number of uh, New York Yankees in the Hall of Fame and how a guy like Phil Rizzuto, who maybe didn't have numbers that would have otherwise warranted him being elected, kind of gets in, uh, you know, uh, largely on the, the strength of the Yankees ma- uh, mystique. Has something kind of the, the inverse of that happened here with JoJo, where maybe there has been so many great Celtics and they kind of dominate a
3: lot of the NBA lore that, that a guy like JoJo kind of gets overlooked? It's it's truly a mystery, Rich. I, I mean, th- th- that theory has been postulated, you know, that uh, because, uh, you know, he was a Celtic and there's so many great Celtics that uh, his con- contributions get watered down in the process. But I don't think anybody really knows. Um, it's interesting. When I researched the book, I found um, a pretty respected basketball statistical reference called – uh basketballreference.com and they keep a um probability uh profile for each player in terms of their likelihood of reaching the Hall of Fame and each player uh once they retire from the game it gets a, gets a uh probability statistic and there are uh, <clears throat> Jojo is the player with the highest probability statistic that's not in the uh Hall of Fame and that is eligible for induction there are a few other guys um Shaquille O'Neal comes to mind and there's a few others that are have higher probabilities. I think there's three or four, but none of them have reached um eligibility status because they haven't been retired long enough. Uh I think each one of those players that is above JoJo's probability is probably a dead lock to get in. So it, it it again underscores the fact that there's a real travesty going on here in terms of uh why he's not in and and um there have been lots of articles written about it over the years dating back a while now. Uh, people, you know, decrying the situation, but uh, nonetheless, it persists. And like I said, it's it's really, uh, really, uh, truthfully, uh, in, truth, in truth, a mystery as to why that exists.
2: Mark, in getting to know JoJo White, what would he like fans in the NBA community to know about him that perhaps they don't know? There's really two things that
3: define JoJo in one is, is he's, he's a man of great faith, and he, and he believes in giving back. Um, he was raised as the youngest of seven children. His dad was a uh, Baptist minister, and his mom, an old-fashioned Baptist mom, uh, stayed at home to raise the kids and uh, you know, inculcated some really solid values, and he believes in giving back. Um, he, he's a very gracious man with his fans and, and um I've witnessed that several times uh, in the Boston Garden and airports and in other places. And I think the other thing that that, uh, defines JoJo is the fact that he's got such a love and passion for the game and that he played it that way. He he played it because he really loved the sport and he had an early uh, passion for it, dating back to the point when he was just a young lad growing up in St. Louis. And he often tells the story that he used to be uh playing basketball into the into the late uh night hours uh when he was a young man and of course his parents were quite concerned about uh what he what he was up to and he would explain each time that he was playing basketball nothing more and um sometimes it was met with some skepticism but okay. finally they got to see him play some high school basketball and it validated all of those uh explanations that he made when he was young Um, that he was actually on a court and uh, honing his talents. And, of course, he was a great high school uh, basketball talent and received ultimately uh, 250 scholarship offers to college around the country.
2: Rich and I were talking before the show about, and actually during the show now that I think about it, about the fact that we always talk about point guards nowadays. And when the Celtics were winning titles, we really weren't talking about specialty guards. It was just guards playing guard, and isn't it funny how the game has evolved into to especially like we're talking Rondo and D. Rose and Darren Williams, and uh, what does JoJo think of that? Have if, if you talked to him about that kind of thing? Yeah, we've talked uh, a lot about that. I mean, you know, of course, you know, he he, he
3: makes a joke sometimes, and you know, he, Defense was a much bigger part of the game, of course, when JoJo played than it is today. And you know, I'll ask about a player, and, and he'll say he couldn't he couldn't guard a parked car, and the, uh, <laughs> which makes me, And he just flashes that, that that big grin of his, and, it, and he says it not maliciously, but it, it, there is it is a tr- there's some truth in it. I mean, it's just the defense has gone out of the game. And I remember one of my first interviews with his college coach, Ted Owens, who said. You know, one of JoJo's first uh, uh, games at the varsity level, he dominated a game and he scored two points. And, you know, he really was taught, um, you know, through four years of college the fundamentals of the game and uh, learned, learned uh, you know, how to general a basketball team as a guard as well as to d- defend. And, um, you know, he decries today that, you know, there's a lot of um, the fundamentals that have gone 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 out of the game and that, you know, Jojo, in Jojo's view, and I think it's a it's a pretty good one that you know that the lack of uh, some of these kids are uh, you know going to school for one year if they go at all, and they're not getting all those fundamental, uh, you know, all those fundamentals of the game that they would get in uh, you know spending that uh, four years in a, in a program at the college level.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that, Mike. You know, I wonder what JoJo uh, thinks of, and if, certainly if you get any insight, this would be, be great to hear it. Of a guy like Avery Bradley, uh, you know, a guy for for whom you know defense is as much of a part of the game as offense, and you know, despite only playing one year at Texas, you know, really does seem to understand and value fundamentals, and and kind of fits into the Celtics culture that way.
3: Well, you know, like any every team sport involves, uh, you know, chemistry and, and the and the ability to sacrifice one's individuality for the good of the team. And JoJo speaks about team a lot. I've seen him do a number of motivational uh, talks around the country, and and um, you know, he, he's great. I mean, he he uh, reaches kids and and they listen he he uh, you could hear a pin drop in the audience when he speaks and it's it's um you know it's a very um basic uh type of message and about a uh, team and about how uh, you know um a guy like Avery Bradley uh plays uh you know team basketball and I, I think JoJo appreciates that and you know he, you know he's still associated with the Celtics organization and he has an opportunity to mentor younger players and uh talk to them and and uh which he does frequently. So, and he's a huge, you know, Celtics fan. That, uh, that's, a, that's an understatement, of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, loves the team. And and uh, you know, you'll find him at uh, most at every home game and uh, rooting him on. And boy, he he is a Celtic true and true. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, the first time I walked into the arena with him there at the Boston Garden and saw the ovation he got, I was I was a little surprised. at frankly. Um, you know, a lot of the people that were cheering weren't born when JoJo was playing. And I'm thinking, you know, what is this uh, attraction that he's, I mean, he's certainly is a great basketball player, but I was, I was trying to figure it out and put it all in place. But having wa- watched him walk through the uh, the hallways and the aisles there at the Boston Garden on a number of occasions, you know, there isn't a fan that that stops him, that he doesn't uh, give him a handshake or give him a photo or an autograph if they request He's very gracious with the fans and, and uh, he's very gracious uh, in terms of his time with the younger players on the organization. He's really just a, really just a great man and a gentleman.
2: Mark, I have to ask you, what is your impression of the Celtics this season? Have they indeed turned a corner and have a chance at banner 18 or is this just going to be one of those fun runs?
3: Who knows? I mean, you know, it's so fun. It's it, it, it certainly interesting to watch. Um, you know, if you started to think at the beginning of the season that we were going to lose, you know, uh, you know, Barboza and S- Sullinger and Rondo, and and we would have uh, all probably thought that uh, this was, was going to be a complete debacle, and we'd be lucky we wouldn't make the playoffs even. But it, you know, they they really found a way to pick it up. They've really found a way to, I think, intensify. Uh, team play and, and get uh, some get the bench to contribute and um, certainly a credit to Doc uh, but a credit to the team as well um, and you know I'm a I'm an optimist I'm a great Celtics fan and you know I, I guess we'll just take it a little bit at a time a game a game here and a game there at a time and uh, see you know hopefully get a, a good seed in the playoffs and uh, see where it goes I mean you know a lot of the pundits and the experts will tell you that I've heard all of the uh, you know um explanations that there's no way the team can get past the you know the heat and uh but you know i have been around sports long enough to know that anything is possible, and you know I guess the point is it's gotta get there first and uh love to see that series if it develops and and um you know I'm not taking anything for granted there are a lot of other great teams that the Celtics will have to get by before they get to that point uh if it, if that's the way it works out. Uh, but um it would certainly it's certainly gonna be interesting to watch that's for sure.
0: Hey, Market Search. Again, just one more question about JoJo. You know, when I when I think of him, um, you know, the image that comes to mind is, is just that 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 quiet, you know, passion, that quiet determination. And you know, I know he, you know, um, kind of came of age in a, a really interesting time in our, our history. You know, uh, in talking to him, was were there was there any particular experience that you felt really kind of you know shaped that attitude that 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 he brought to the game, or was that just just kind of his you know his just you know ingrown nature?
3: Well, Rich, honestly, like I said earlier, he had great, great upbringing. He loved his, his uh, upbringing. He said he wouldn't change anything in his childhood, and uh, was followed up by some great coaching, both on the high school and college levels. He had some men that he adored. He still has a close relationship with Ted Owens out of Kansas, and uh, these guys guided him through some, you know, formative periods. And you know, they were tough periods historically in our country's uh, past as well. And you know, he played on the 68 Olympic team and don't forget there was a boycott uh organized uh that uh you know uh, uh, that uh Harry Edwards from San Jose State asked the uh African American players to uh honor and and some did or at least ostensibly did uh, not the least of which was uh Luell or Abdul Jabbar mm-hmm. and uh there was an exhibition uh series out in Europe that summer before the Olympic games and JoJo was back in Kansas uh, doing a clinic for youth. He didn't participate in the exhibition games. And uh, the U.S. lost four of the ten games, two to Yugoslavia and two to Russia. And many thought that the U.S. wouldn't even medal uh, in the 68 games. And that was sort of uh, blasphemous given the fact that uh, the U.S. had never lost an Olympic basketball game since it became a sport in 1936. And once JoJo got on the court out there in Mexico City, he helped, uh, was a big part of the the uh, the victory, nine straight wins to, to a gold medal. Um, so, his career has intersected a lot of uh, critical points in in uh, U.S. history. Uh, there's that famous 1966 NCAA tournament with Texas Western, and of course, you may remember the fact that Jojo and t- Kansas played Texas Western. I think it was in the quarterfinal round of that uh, tournament, and Jojo almost beat uh, Texas Western with a shot at the buzzer. Uh, That uh, went through, uh, but uh, was called off because uh, the ref claimed he was out of bounds. Uh, Had it not been for that call, uh, Kansas would have won that game, and there would have been no uh, Texas-Western upset of uh, Kentucky in in 1966. So his career has got a lot of intersections with some great um, times and some uh, important historical moments in our past, and that's a kind of underappreciated part of the Georgia White basketball career that I hope – people will get uh, from this biography
2: the name of the book is make it count the life and times of basketball great jojo white author mark bedanza thanks for being with us today on celtics beat hi
3: rich i appreciate it uh books available uh all the usual places um, bonds and noble stores of course um, on the internet BarnesandNoble.com, amazon.com uh, and there's a website uh, make it Count.com, uh where People can contact me and we can even provide them personalized copies if they're looking for that.
2: Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for joining us.
3: I appreciate it, guys. You have a great evening and a great evening to all your listeners.
2: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great stuff, Rich. Great, great stuff. So many memories come flooding back into my head just listening to that conversation that great game five of the 1976 nba finals and for all you young fans out there i know i'm going to sound like an old man here do yourselves a favor and go to youtube and watch the clips from that game
0: i think he played 60 of the 63 minutes in that game that's just a tremendous performance
2: 33 points 128 126 the celtics win that game five of course that game known, what, is the shot heard round the world because Garfield heard, uh hit a shot to send the game, what, into? I, I can't remember. Was it the second or first OT that Gar Heard shot sent the game into?
0: Uh, I could be wrong, but I believe it sent it into the second OT.
2: Yeah, and a lot of crazy stuff happened in that game. We had timeouts that resulted in technical fouls. It was just a lot of fun. Paul Westfall. Uh, In that game, I remember hitting some just crazy shots, and there were some unsung heroes in that game. We could do a whole show on Game 5 of the 76 Finals. Uh, It may be the best Finals game of all time, maybe the greatest NBA game of all time, and I don't think I'm overstating that, Rich. Oh, it's got to be in the top five, and I, you know, I
0: believe it's it's been labeled the greatest game ever played, and 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 for 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 good, really good reason. It's just just tremendous contest. It was one of my formative experiences as a Celtics fan growing up.
2: I remember watching it on my little tiny twelve-inch black and white TV with those archaic CBS graphics, and and you know, you got to love Brent Musburger. Those were the days. <laughs> Not the Brent, Brent, Brent Musburger of today, but back then. It was, it was quite an experience. you got to remember, we didn't have all the TV channels and Alphabet sports networks. There were just very few ways to watch sports back in those days. And my uh, memories of childhood are very fond uh, from that game. And we were talking earlier, too, that we remember watching the 74 finals. But we won't bore people with that discussion. <laughs> And moving along to other current-day topics, very current-day topics, Uh, Rich, around the NBA, the Miami Heat are streaking. Are you impressed with the winning streak? I I know it sounds ridiculous to to ask you that question, considering, what, they've won 17 games in a row. But I've seen enough of them because of NBA League Pass to see them struggle against the Mighty Kings, the Cavs you know barely pull out uh, a game against the terrible Orlando Magic so I'm not quite as impressed as some what are your thoughts
0: yeah I mean any time a team wins 17 games in a row you know that that that's obviously an, an impressive achievement um I don't quite think it, it. warrants the hype it's been getting. I, you know, I think you know there's usually at least a, a streak or, or two of that length in any given season. I believe the the Celtics ran off a 19 game streak in in 2009, um, which
2: I don't recall getting this much attention no. on,
0: on ESPN. That's for sure.
2: Well, I don't recall the Spurs what won 20 games last year. I don't recall it getting this kind of play or the year the Rockets rattled off, what, 22 in a row getting yep. this kind of play. And so you got to think that Shane Battier is in the heat locker room yawning. He's like, guys, we got work to do before we start bragging about winning streaks.
0: Yeah, and you know, they you know, any team you with a streak that long, you're going to have some, you know, some great performances and some some nights when you struggle and and you know, it's to your credit when you've got the the mental fortitude to stick with it and pull out games like they did the other night against the Magic, but you know, does it, does a 17 game win streak make them any kind of guaranteed, you know, NBA finalist? Does it make them a dominant team? You know, I I don't think so. You know, if you look at the numbers this year, the uh, Thunder actually have a better point differential, uh, significantly better point differential by about uh, almost two points, I believe, um, over their opposition than um, Miami does. So, you know, you could make an argument they're they're not even the best team in the NBA right now. Certainly, the Spurs have been impressive, although they're a little banged up now. So, you know, I, I think you know, th- there's this tendency to you know look at the Heat, look at the fact they got over the hump last year and, and to their credit, won a championship and, and and think this has somehow propelled them to a dynasty. But in my opinion, they've, they've still got quite a bit to prove before they get to that point.
2: Yeah, I believe all that talk is, is kind of premature. And they're taking on a Pacers team today that has beaten them twice already this season. Nearly had them on the ropes last year. People forget that. The Pacers had them, what, down two games to one in the, the Eastern Conference semifinals? And they had the heat down in the game... Game four, and the Heat rallied to win that game, and then they, they went on to, to win the series and beat the Celtics and then win the NBA Finals. So the Pacers are a team the Heat haven't matched up very well against, and don't know what the score is today, but uh, I'm really interested to see how that game game turns out. Moving along, the Lakers will not go quietly into that good night.
0: Yeah, they won again today. Uh, nice uh, win at home over the Bulls.
2: Yeah, they just keep rolling right along, and Kobe Bryant continues to be ageless. He's done some amazing things, that game against the the Raptors the other night with the three-pointers, just willing his team to victory. And that game in New Orleans, what, they go on a 25-0 run to beat the Hornets? Just playing some excellent basketball, although you could argue they're barely getting by lesser competition. Nonetheless, they're on a roll
0: yeah i mean it's clear Kobe's strapped him on his back and he's gonna he's gonna play Hero Ball, otherwise known as Kobe Ball, uh, or the the other way around. And, um, you know, I, I think at this point I would expect them to to get at least that eighth spot. Utah seems to be struggling lately, and, and the Lakers have matched up with them. I, I think Houston will still kind of stay in that seventh spot, maybe even challenge for the sixth spot. So I expect the Lakers to make the playoffs, but, hey, I, I don't expect them to win around. Um, you know, as well as they've been playing lately, at least in the win-loss column, they still can't defend. And, you know, I don't see that changing between now and the playoffs. Uh, Howard's played a little bit better, but... Still doesn't look like he's, you know, really giving that 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 top-notch effort that you'd expect out of him. And, you know, frankly, they're not not constructed as, as I think a team to go deep in the playoffs. You know, you've got you know glaring holes on on the defensive side of the ball with with Nash and Kobe in the backcourt. You know, yeah, Nash was never a great defender, uh, and Kobe has certainly seen his, his uh, better days are, are long past. Um, Metta World Peace gets a lot of credit on the defensive side of the ball, but I think his best days are behind him. And, you know, D'Antoni likes to play small. So, you know, I have a hard time seeing that team even even win a, a round. The only hope I think they have for getting to the second round is if they, they somehow draw San Antonio in, in the first round and San Antonio is still banged up.
2: And then the Knicks get a big hit. They lose Amari Stoudemire for six to eight weeks because of knee surgery. They've got a lot of games on the road to end the season. The Celtics have an outside chance, I do believe, to win the Atlantic uh, if things fall their way.
0: Well, they got to leapfrog two teams. They got to get past the Nets and, and the Knicks. Um, yeah, the Knicks. You know, uh, Stoudemire have been playing better. Uh, Mellow's banged up a little, so you know, I think the the Celtics have an outside shot. I think they've got a very easy uh, schedule the rest of the way out. With I believe it's eleven games with teams with uh, less than a, a four hundred winning percentage. So. Celtics have an outside shot at 50 wins, and if they do that, um, you know, the, the uh, Knicks will be uh, have to play certainly above 500 ball to to stay ahead of them. But you've got the Nets out there, and the Nets are still, I believe, two games or maybe three games now after today ahead of the Celtics in the loss column. So, got a chance at the division. It's 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 you know not looking great, but uh, you know if things fall their way, who knows? They could end up with that uh, first round bye again.
2: They got oh, Char- Yeah, they got Charlotte on Tuesday night at Charlotte, Wednesday at home against the Raptors, and then Charlotte again. So those are all winnable games. Games, this, Quite frankly, the Celtics should win. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Celtics Beat. We want to thank Mark Bedanza, author of Make It Count, The Life and Times of Basketball, great JoJo White, for joining us. We thank you all for listening. I want to thank my partner for the show, Rich Conte. Rich, it was great doing it with you. Likewise, Ty, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Celtics Beat.